It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people go missing in the United States. People of color make up roughly 40% of missing persons cases. Despite that significant proportion of cases they make up, the cases of missing people of color do not often receive the proper amount of exposure and attention. That's why Derricka Wilson and Natalie Wilson joined together to create Black and Missing, a nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing awareness to these cases. The pair combined their backgrounds in law enforcement and communications in order to form their database of missing people and to raise awareness of these individuals. Black and Missing provides other services as well, such as personal safety education and tips for families if a loved one goes missing. Black and Missing received the Clue Award for Crime Fighter of the Year at this year's CrimeCon in Orlando for Derricka and Natalie's profound impact on these cases. CEO Derricka Wilson and COO Natalie Wilson join me today to discuss the racial disparities that continue to affect these cases and how they're fighting for equal attention. Derricka and Natalie, you both have different backgrounds in law enforcement and communications. Tell me what inspired you to combine your work and experience and create the Black and Missing Foundation. So Emily, this is Natalie. I'll take that question first. I typically do. Um, and I'm sure Derricka will chime in. So the inspiration behind the Black and Missing Foundation is a young lady by the name of Tamika Houston, who went missing from Derricka's hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. And we read how her family, particularly her aunt, who's in media relations, really struggled to get national media coverage around Tamika's disappearance. And we found later on that, you know, Lori Hacken disappeared and she dominated the news cycle. Natalie Holloway disappeared a year later, and we all know her name and her story. So we weren't sure if the issue of missing people of color affected our communities. And when Derek and I did our research, we found that 30% of all persons missing at that time were people of color, primarily black males. So we said, why not us? Let's do something about it. As you mentioned, I'm in media relations, Derek is in law enforcement. And those are the two critical professions needed to help find and amplify these cases. Um, If you move forward to today, 40% of the missing population are people of color. And they're not making the news cycle. They're not getting the resources from law enforcement. And they're definitely not receiving the community engagement that's so necessary to be found. So we keep going because our experiences, our professions um, is definitely needed, again, to help find and bring home our missing from around the country. What kinds of obstacles then get in the way of providing people of color with proper media exposure? Well, from a media perspective, um, a couple of things. One, it starts with the way law enforcement typically Um, classifies children of color. Nine out of the 10 cases that we have of minors, they're typically classified as a runaway. If you're classified as a runaway, you do not receive the Amber Alert 
or any type of media coverage at all. And there's also this stereotype or this bias that a an adult um, that's missing of color is involved with some type of criminal activity. They're a thug um, and they're getting what they deserve or what happens in that community. So a light isn't shown um, or that case isn't amplified. And what we are doing as an organization is to change the narrative and to humanize these missing individuals so that they can get that coveted media coverage um, that is so vital because it alerts the community that someone is missing and it also puts pressure on law enforcement to add resources to the case. And we, when I say media, I also mean social media because again, time is of the essence with these cases. To add to what Natalie stated, law enforcement, they are the gatekeepers before it even gets to the media. And as she mentioned, it's the way law enforcement view our cases by uh, categorizing our missing as runaways or criminalizing our missing and also um, the 24 hour waiting period. Um, you know, every jurisdiction across this country, they operate in a manner in which they choose to. Um, there, there is no standardized procedure that has been established across the country and how law enforcement responds to missing person cases. It is solely up to the discretion of those respective police departments. And so again, we're trying to change how they view the cases because it should not matter regardless of race, gender, and zip code. We need law enforcement to take these cases seriously and we need them to take the reports instantly because we know the first 24 to 48 hours are the most critical moments when a person is missing. So when we talk about making that change at that initial level, you know, this immediate classification that can have such a profound impact on the resources that a case receives, on the attention. Um, and it's such a disproportionate impact, right? Because that first hour, the first day is so crucial for that attention, for those resources to be deployed for, deployed for a missing person. So it sort of has this exponential negative impact. So when we talk about changing that, how exactly are you attempting to change that? Is it education? Is it legislation? What are we working on to help change that? And how can viewers help? It's actually a combination of all that you mentioned. It's educating law enforcement. Um, I am a member of Noble, which is the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, meeting them where they are, meeting the decision makers, outlining the issues that the community face and having them to be that sounding board in the departments that they represent to try to implement change. Working with elected officials in creating policies, legislation, and making sure that, number one, we're not asking for more, we're asking for the same resources as our counterparts. And, you know, the community, I think is very important for the community to understand the power of their voice not just during election season, but also challenging law enforcement, asking them, what, what are your policies as it relates to missing persons? Do you utilize the classification runaway? If so, why? Because they're missing. Do you require families to wait 24 or 48 hours? Why? Because we know time is of the essence. 
Do you require families to report in person to file their missing persons report? Why? Because again, time is of the essence. And when you really peel back the layers, and let's just use as an example, you know, a college student, they may be attending college in Atlanta, Georgia, but they are originally from Maryland. If that police department requires families to report in person to file their missing person report, then precious time has already slipped by. And also understanding that not all families have the resources to just hop on a plane or hop in their vehicle to drive across the country. So we have to do a better job on how we handle these cases. And, and again, it starts with training. It starts with that awareness. It's the sensitivity and the cultural diversity training that law enforcement needs. And Emily, I'd like to add two points to that from a media perspective. We need to take a look at the policies and procedures um, for media outlets. Um, if you call and I call, what we're finding is that there are no policies in place um, by the decision makers or the gatekeepers to determine who gets that media coverage. So that is something that we are working on. Um, and to possibly train news outlets around the country um, on, on having a policy and procedure in place um, to determine who gets coverage. And also we want to enhance the existing public communication alert system. Right now, you can fall into two categories. One, there's an amber alert for minors, and then there's a silver alert. But what we're also finding is that most of the people who are reported missing do not fall into any of those categories. So I we do know that, you know, California has implemented legislation to create the to create the ebony alert. Minnesota has done something sim similar by creating a task force. So there needs to be legislation um, in place to protect those that are most vulnerable in our communities. More of the Fox True Crime podcast coming up. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Part of the massive issue in criminal justice and especially in, in solving current and cold cases is the jurisdictional tension. So a lot of what we've been speaking about and what I've just been listening to is different jurisdictions, you know, local versus state versus federal. So do you feel or see one having more impact currently? We talked about one state sort of changing legislation. If the Ebony alert um, was able to be codified at the federal level, would you see that making an immediate large impact or do you feel equally or more importantly, it's the local and state level that needs that legislative push first? Well, I think that um, the national level takes a, a look at what they're doing from a local level um, and that can that can bring about change. But holistically, we have to change um you know, the issues and the way these cases are handled. We say this all the time and we mean it wholeheartedly. This is a, a human rights issue um, that is affecting our nation. And we have to have, you know, one voice, um, one set of guidelines 
that is um, equal across the board. And, it, and, it's, and it's not. There is a disparity in the way that there's media coverage and law enforcement resources for these cases. So whether you're in California or you're in Maine, there should be some um, similarities in the way these cases are handled. It's really so heartbreaking to imagine that a family who's just lost a loved one has to go through some type of sort of um, seemingly unnecessary bureaucracy or rigmarole, you know, to go in person to file a report. I mean, those are things that we feel should be seamless with our shared interest in recovering loved ones and missing persons with the tax dollars we all pay to sort of confirm our faith in the government that it will take care of us at these local levels. It's so heartbreaking to hear that from the first instant, there are challenges and roadblocks baked into a system that prevents loved ones from achieving any type of sort of a fair shot at recovering their loved one. You mentioned that the majority of the 40% of people of color that make up missing persons are black males. Can you share a little bit more data um, within that? 40% of the missing population are people of color. That's African-American, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans. Um, We believe that the numbers are much higher because there is a population that's not reporting. And according to the FBI data, Hispanics are categorized as white um, when they are reported missing. And we do know that 24% of Hispanics um, classify themselves as um, African-Americans. So we believe the numbers are much higher. Um, 98,000 women of color were reported missing last year alone. So again, the numbers are astounding and we have to peel back the layers to see what's going on. Why are they missing? We do know that sex trafficking is a huge issue affecting our communities, mental health, um, domestic violence, um, and we need to just have these the right programs and policies and procedures in place again to protect those who are most vulnerable. I just kind of wanted to go back to one of the previous questions um, regarding uh, law enforcement and working with each other. Um, at this point, it is so critical because law enforcement, they are struggling with staffing issues across the country and having legislation and that unified policy will allow them to work hand in hand, um, especially when someone is missing and understanding that there are other resources, there are federal resources that are at their disposal. So for example, The U.S. Marshal Service, they have a missing child division. And so when law enforcement, when they're pushed against the corner, their backs are against the corner, understanding that there are other federal agencies that can help. And there are organizations such as the Black and Missing Foundation that's willing to step in and help them so we can help resolve these cases and bring answers to these families. We're going to take a quick break. More of the Fox True Crime podcast shortly. What services and resources does Black and Missing provide for these types of cases? Well, we're meeting families um, where they are and, and oftentimes we're their last hope. So when a family learns about the Black and Missing Foundation, we immediately vet their case. We create flyers for them 
to circulate in their community, to circulate online. Because what we see oftentimes is that law enforcement, they're typically not taking the cases seriously. So they're leaving these families to fend for themselves. And they're creating flyers with their personal contact information. And sadly, during their most vulnerable time, they're receiving those scam and ransom calls because they're putting their personal information on those flyers. So we wanted to take that from them. We're also working with law enforcement because we understand that there is a sense of distrust with the black and brown community and law enforcement. So we get tips when they don't. And any tips that come into our organization, we immediately share it with law enforcement so they can further follow up as well. Um, we have partnerships with care coaches. So these families, they're dealing with a lot and it's so unbearable. So we do have a relationship, partnership with Care Loop, where we can offer coaching services to families that are dealing with this um, un un unimaginable um, occurrence in their life. And again, utilizing media, and I know Natalie would jump in, you know, to help amplify these cases and apply pressure to law enforcement to dedicate more resources. Yes, and I would also like to add, we utilize social media because time is of the essence. We cannot wait for the traditional news cycle, even though that is very important um, to get this information out instantaneously into a wide audience. Um, someone can go missing from D.C. and be in New York in hours, and we want our BAMFI subscribers or followers to be very vigilant as they go about their day. Um, we also have media partnerships, local and national media partners that are willing to share these profiles um, with their audience. Again, media coverage is so vital to alert the community that, that someone is missing. And we know that it can be challenging and overwhelming to, um, you know, to speak on camera or, in, or to the media outlet. So we coach them in just being calm and just providing the facts about your missing loved one so that we can get that information out there. Uh, we provide financial support for families. Sadly, um, you know, they spend their life savings looking for their missing individuals. Um, sometimes when a, a missing person is found, they're found deceased and we help with burial costs and, you know, whatever the family needs. But we're also, you know, treat these families as though they are our families because they're they they are a part of our family and we listen to them we laugh we cry we're just there's a shoulder for them um, to get through this most difficult time in their lives I had the honor of speaking with David Robinson II, whose son Daniel disappeared in 2021 in Arizona he was a geologist there and what struck me um, just so much. I can't get it out of my head. In addition to how heartbreaking it is to, you know, be a father who lost his son is that he is paying to your point. He is paying to house his son's truck uh, that was found after he went missing. He is paying for that and other evidence in sort of a, a an appropriate formal forensic type, you know, garage. Um, he is paying rent for that. He is paying for private investigators and search parties, and there's so much out of pocket that a grieving and in pain family has to absorb. It's 
it's so unacceptable. You know, the, the crushing costs and the thought that someone who has gone missing that perhaps won't be found or closure will not be um, obtained by the family simply because of a financial decision or a financial situation is just, it's just so heartbreaking. You're right. It is. We have to just rally around these families. Um, You know, if it's financial support, whatever resource you can provide, it really helps. We have families saying to us, you know, all the time, I just need someone to sit and talk to me or I need to run to the store and I, you know, just helping out um, in any way that's possible. And it's really sad that Mr. Robinson has to pay out of his pocket for resources that have been have been provided to other cases based on taxpayers dollars. And also to your point, how Mr. Robinson had to travel in his car at the onset because law enforcement failed to take the police report immediately where he had to drive across the country um, to get that um, awareness for his son. They did not take the police report. There, there was a waiting period, which again is so unfair. Every family cannot do that. And the whole notion that because someone is an adult, um, which sort of feeds into your your comments earlier, that that there is a presumption that it was elective and an independent choice. Um, like there has to be, or there should be, I should say, um, an, an exception that could be made. If that's the presumption, then let the family say, no, here, it's ex- an exceptional circumstances. I'm telling you that wasn't an elective choice. He is missing. So then allow law enforcement in that moment to say, got it. Okay, we will classify this as missing person immediately. The fact that there's sort of the nothing we can do, our hands are tied, that's what to me is the worst part um, to sort of remove any agency whatsoever in those moments by the family and by law enforcement as well. Um, you know, there's nothing worse to hear than someone in a decision making position or in a position of authority that says, like, there's nothing I can do. I'm so sorry. You know, that's sometimes even more heartbreaking because it sort of proves that the system at that moment seems totally unchangeable. Well, that is why the discretion needs to be removed from law enforcement altogether with creating holistic policies and handling missing person cases. Right. Um, So how can listeners get involved and find out more about the organization? How can they find you and follow you and, and show support? So we ask your listeners to please follow us at B-A-M-F-I dot O-R-G and go to our website, see who is missing from your own community and share that information, that flyer within your network, because it can help bring someone home. You know, we are on social media. We share profiles every single day, and we would love for your listeners to be our digital milk carton, again, by sharing that profile within their network. And you can donate every single dollar goes towards the family and to continue the mission of the work that we do to help find and bring missing people of color home. What final message would you like to share with our listeners today? I would like to say that it takes all of us. It's law enforcement, it's the media, and it's the community engagement 
to find and bring our missing home. One doesn't work without the other. And we are so much stronger together in making a difference in the lives of individuals in our communities. And I would also like to add, we cannot turn a blind eye to this issue. Just because your family member or your loved one is missing doesn't mean that you can't take action um, on this issue. This is a human rights issue that is affecting us as a community, as a nation, and we have to get involved. Um, God forbid, you know, if, if your loved one is missing, you would want someone to advocate for you and know that you are not alone in this horrific um, event. Derricka and Natalie, thank you both so much. Thank you for your advocacy and your effort and all the good that you have done and, and secured for so many families. Um, there's so much more work to be done and we're grateful to have been a very small messenger for your great works today. Thank you so much and know that we are here for you anytime you need any message amplified. We are here, so please come back soon. Thank you so thank much you for, having for having us. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.